have been in this series at Northern since the beginning of the year, looking at um, encounters or little snapshots of Jesus' um, life on earth from the gospel written by John, um, who was a close friend of Jesus. And this morning we come to this story um, of an encounter that Jesus has with a woman. Um, And as David has spoken about previously um, in this series, John writes with a significant level of um, layering. His stories are always rich with um, detail. They have a lot going on. And sometimes that means that we need to unpack um, the threads a little bit and unpack the context a bit. John was writing these stories down for people who knew the context and so they were familiar with the ancient world and its customs and they understood what he was talking about and sometimes for us we need to unpack that a little bit um and we're going to do a bit of that this morning so we're thinking about faith conversations this morning and the beginning of the story that we come to um colleen shared with us thank you so much for reading for us colleen Following this kind of initial meeting, um, Jesus continues to have a conversation with this Samaritan woman. And the video that Alethea shared with us in the kids' spot um, gave us an interpretation of that encounter from the perspective of the woman. This woman has a story. She's unnamed um, in the account from John and we learn about her um, from the conversation and the circumstances in which Jesus meets her. She comes alone to the community well. She comes at midday, the hottest part of the day. Not ideal for carrying water. If you think about the last few days here, would you want to be carrying um, a big household amount full of water on your shoulder or head? Probably not. Um, and she's, this means that she's either uncomfortable or unwelcome um, to go with the rest of the community either in the morning or the evening or both. She's somewhat of an outcast, possibly um, because, as we later hear in the conversation with Jesus, she's had five husbands and the man that she now lives with is not her husband. This is not a woman of great reputation. We could learn a lot about the woman. But this morning, I want us to think about Jesus. What is Jesus doing in this encounter with her? Jesus is sitting at a well when the woman approaches. She's alone. She's coming to the well, to the community well. He's sitting there, possibly on it. (laughs) Um, He should have moved. That's what custom would say. She's clearly coming to the, the well. It's inappropriate for a man to A, speak with a woman in public, B, definitely not alone, and C, absolutely not to a Samaritan woman um, if you're a Jewish man. And lastly, um, D, as it turns out, she's not got the greatest reputation. So this is like all kinds of things say that Jesus should have moved. He should have made way for her. He doesn't, though. Instead, he asks for a drink. He puts himself in need of her services. He doesn't have anything to draw water with. Possibly um, his disciples took that with them into town. Jesus has placed himself in a public space by the drinking fountain, by the coffee machine, if you like. And he puts himself in need of others. And this is interesting when we think about faith conversations for us. How often do we approach faith conversations as the ones who have something to share, as the ones who are offering support, 
as the ones who are offering assistance and care rather than the ones in need of help. As you're building relationships with people around you, perhaps you might need to let them offer you hospitality. Let them include you in their world rather than asking them to enter ours. How does that work exactly? Well, when they invite you to something, you say yes. You go. If they offer to cook you a meal or pick up groceries for you, you say yes. Culturally, I think we don't like having people help us. It's a hard thing for us. But allowing other, another person to help you or, or for them to be a host to you gives dignity and honour and empowers them. This is what Jesus does for this woman. He asks for a drink. And she calls him on it, doesn't she? She says, what does he mean by asking her for a drink? What else are you after? This is a woman who um, has not had the greatest relationship with men, we find out. What else do you want other than a drink? And then Jesus says something cryptic because um, he does that. And he says that if she knew who he was that was asking her for a drink, she instead would ask him and he would give her living water. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. That was perfectly clear. Thank you. And she says to him, But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. She asks him for this water that he's promised. What he's talking about sounds good. It will make her life easier. And then something curious happens. Instead of giving her water, Jesus sends her to get a husband. Have you ever noticed that before? She asks for water and he says, go and get your husband and come back. Why does he do this? I mean, for sure, it means that we get the story of this woman and it means that she has to be vulnerable and tell Jesus that she doesn't have a husband, which he already knew. Why does he ask her to go and get someone and bring them back? I'm not sure. This is a Sam thing, not a... Bible thing. I'm not sure, but I wonder if it's to do with her receiving that spring of water within her. She asks for water. What if Jesus is saying, okay, you need to share your experience to get this water. She needs to bear witness to who he, who he is. Jesus challenges her to share this living water with those immediately around her in the circle before she's received it. It's interesting, isn't it? 
So instead of going to do that, she changes the subject, right? I don't really want to go and do that, Jesus. Let's talk about something else, something not controversial like worship. (laughs) Um, She changes the subject and asks about worship, hoping to divert Jesus from exposing her private life. She doesn't really want to talk about that. Thanks. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So if you are a prophet... Tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship and we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors ancestors worshipped? And Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Once again, Jesus gives her great honour by hearing her theological question. Contextually, like this is a woman who doesn't get to have these conversations possibly with anyone, let alone a man, a Jewish man. He follows along with her change of subject and he uses this question to delve into a deeper truth than she was expecting. She asks this question about worship, about the practicalities, the geographic location. Jesus hears her question and says, lovingly, Wrong question. It's not about where you worship, but who you are worshipping and the internal posture of those who are doing the worship. He says to her, you need to know God and worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus isn't scolding her. He's not saying, wrong question, terrible, terrible job. (laughs) He's meeting her where she's at. She wants to have a conversation about what she believes is an either-or position. She thinks this is a question that is either this or that. And Jesus says to her, both sides of that argument are wrong. That argument misses the point. And he leads her to think about what the point of worship actually is. And she gets it. She gets it. She says she's looking for the Messiah, just as the Jews are. That's her internal position. That's what she wants. And he tells her, great, good, I'm that one. He actually says to her, I, that I'm talking to you, I am. That phrase, I am, comes from the time when God is speaking to Moses um, from out of the burning bush. That story is in Exodus, if you want to look it up later. And um, God reveals to Moses that he is called, his name is called I Am. So when Jesus says this to the woman, she knows that story and she gets what Jesus is saying. This is the first of the um, I Am statements that we find in the Gospel of John. The others are I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, I am the vine. You can read through John and kind of come across these in your own time if you like. 
It's super hot outside. Spend some time looking for them. So then the disciples come back and they're shocked that Jesus has been speaking to a woman and a Samaritan woman at that and alone. Right? They are very shocked, very surprised. And with this interruption, as they kind of come back, the woman leaves her jar. She runs back to town and she declares to everyone that she's found the Messiah and that they should come and see. And they do. The people come streaming from the village. The disciples try to get Jesus to eat, but he tells them he has a different source of food. (laughs) Can you imagine being a disciple in this space? Just on a side note, like you've gone into town to get food for um, the teacher that you've been following around and um, you've been gone maybe a few hours and when you come back, you've got food and you're like, yeah, we've done a great job. And he's like, oh, yeah, not hungry. Thanks. Um, More than that, he says, I have a different source of food. So they have this little conversation about did someone else bring him food? Who else does he know? Did someone else bring him water? Anyway, it's just something small I find amusing. But what we find as Jesus speaks to them about um, the harvest and the workers um, is that this encounter replenished Jesus in a way that food couldn't. This conversation was food for his soul. It refreshed him in his being. And it seems from the account that... Um, Actually, Jesus never got the drink that he asked for from the woman. But he did get to speak to this woman about what she believes. And he connected what she believes, where she was at, with himself. When we have conversations with people, I think sometimes it feels like we're looking for a way to bring up our faith. Jesus actually doesn't talk about faith at all. He doesn't lecture her. He asks for a favour. That's how he starts his relationship with her. He asks for a favour and then he responds to her questions. She leads that conversation. We often think about faith conversations as um, when we talk to people, we're planting seeds, perhaps you've heard that phrase. Just, you know, sowing some seeds into that conversation. And that may be. But what if God's already planted the seeds? And God's been at work in the life of this person that you've been sharing with already. I think that's probably much more likely that God goes before us. And this means that we don't need to plant seeds all the time. In their conversation with you, perhaps the person that you're trying to connect with is looking for you to help connect their experience with God. They're not asking you to teach them or, um, you know, tell them your life story. They're just asking for you to help them interpret their experience in light of who God is. So as we speak with people, as we have conversations with those around us, are we asking, how is God already at work in this person? How might Jesus connect with where they are right now? And here's what happens in this particular story. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, 
but because we have heard for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. This Samaritan woman turns out to be a great missionary. She becomes a spring of living water overflowing to her community, bringing them life. She said to Jesus, give me this water. And he said, okay, go call your husband and come back. Well, she doesn't. She goes and calls the village and comes back, doesn't she, in the end? She received and passed on this living water from Jesus, just like she asked of him. It just looked very different than she imagined. She thought this water would make her life easier, that she didn't have to go to the well anymore. It was so much bigger than she imagined. So what do we learn from Jesus in this um, passage, this little encounter about faith conversations? I think Jesus goes about his life. He um, enters into conversations with people as he encounters them. He happened to be at the well. She happened along. And he, um, I imagine, prayed and saw that conversation and went, you know what, I'm just going to see where she's at. Jesus is humble. He asks for help and he empowers the other person in and through their encounter. This is hard work, actually. Like, Jesus makes it look easy, but it's hard work to do it. Jesus gives the other person um, dignity and respect as he listens. He doesn't tell her that her thinking is wrong or that her belief system is wrong. He listens to where she's at and he says, oh, actually, this is how the, where you're at connects to me. Jesus responds to those questions by taking those questions deeper. So also requires, for us to do this, we have to really um, pray. I don't think there's any other way other than in the midst of that conversation to ask God to be present and give you the words to that. Um, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to very quickly. I um, was probably oh, two or three weeks into a new job and I... Um, you know, just trying to settle in and get to know people and not, you know, fly the um, she's a pastor job. So it was a secular job. And um, my boss was, you know, part of, it turned out, part of why she hired me was that she had this interest in faith and she was like, oh, I'm going to ask this person. So um, about a week in, the whole team was going off to um, a meeting and so everyone was getting their stuff ready. It was a big open plan office. And as we're going to get into cars, she says to me from across the room, hey, Sam, I've just been thinking about this. My dad, who's passed away, like, he, he was a good guy. Do you think he's in heaven or hell? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, to this day, could not tell you exactly how I responded to that other than I stood there and I went oh, Jesus, I don't know how to answer this question. I really need you to speak for me. Um, turns out what I said made sense to her and um, we, it, it wasn't, you know, but it ended up being a, an ongoing conversation. Um, and sometimes, you know, those, those things happen in their most inconvenient spaces. Um, and I, I think part of taking those questions deeper and being able to respond to them is in those moments... You don't rely on your own wisdom. You say, Holy Spirit, give me the words right now because I don't know how to answer this person's question. I don't know the answer. Anyway, 
Um, and lastly, Jesus connects the experience and thoughts of the other person to himself. That's what he's doing. So this conversation, um, Jesus says, was God's will. Um, when we read through the whole story. There's an obedience part to this conversation for him. It's kind of what Terry was talking about. You have to pick your moments. It's not every person that you come across. But God will, will lay certain people in, um, in your path. And engaging in this conversation brought food to his soul. We didn't talk about this earlier, but those kind of things that are refreshing and energising, when you have a God conversation with someone, it's energising, isn't it? You kind of, you're like, oh no, I, I have another source of food. Thanks, I don't need lunch. That's where it comes from. So just a couple of questions for us to reflect on this morning, just for a few minutes. As you build relationships with others, particularly those who are far from Jesus, how vulnerable are you with them? How often do you ask for help? How are you empowering them How are you honouring and growing your respect for them in your engagements with them? What ways is God at work in your life and at work in the life of those around you, lives of those around you, even if they don't name it or know it? Spend some time this morning and um, pray and ask God to give you opportunities to enter into someone else's world, to be part of their circle. Pray and ask God to give you conversations and words to respond to the questions of others that will connect them with Jesus. We'll just spend a couple of minutes and then um, I'll come back and we'll, we'll do the benediction.